Welcome to the Life of Faith North podcast, where you can access the latest Sermon of the Week and explore our archive of past messages. To access other resources or view live content, please visit us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Life of Faith North. We hope you will find this message encouraging and uplifting as you listen. So grateful for the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Lord, help us today as we as we teach, as we learn, as we come here to grow and to gather around the Word. Just uh, speak to us, speak through us, in Jesus' name, Amen. And so, guys, we're still talking about again strength of soul and growing strong in our soul. So, this morning, uh, I really want to kind of get some stuff out, and so this will be a great note-taking morning. Um, this is going to be a great kind of next step foundation in what we've been doing in this series. Uh, So I do expect it to help uh, propagate some questions, some things. So if you have an immediate question here, as always, feel free to stick your hand up and ask a question live. That's never interrupting. I really do enjoy it. Um, If you're just thinking and processing, text me your questions, send me questions, come to one of the home groups, ask a question, uh, all that kind of stuff. Does it make sense? But let's keep the conversation going. But I want us to now move, as we've talked a lot about this, and you can go back and listen to kind of some framework or foundational overthought about strengthening of soul and what your soul is and all the components. Again, we're going to be focusing on our thinking. But now I want to talk about, so now what do we do? Right, so how, okay, Brad, awesome. You've been talking about thinking. Josh did a great job talking about thinking, and we got our, we know we got to do something with our soul, and so what in the world does that look like? Right, what's, what's the practical, what can I do today, what can I do this week, how can I begin? So that's where I want us to kind of begin to shift and move in that direction. So it says this in Romans chapter 8, and again in verse number 5, um, and tonight, Selena and I, again, we've done a supplemental teaching on some of this. It'll come out tonight on the YouTube. Uh, is it our YouTube or the churches? So you go to the Holloman's YouTube channel and you'll find it. I think it'll launch out at like 630 or something like that. Uh, share that out. Help us all the stuff. But it says in Romans 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh, what do they do? They set their minds on things of the flesh. And he says, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We could say it like this. Those who live according to the Spirit, what do they do? They set their mind in the context. They set their mind on the things of the Spirit for to be carnally, and that just means to be fleshy, or better word is to be worldly. And, and I think I've got a definition somewhere in another one of my notes, but that word worldly literally means consumed with the passions, the feelings, the interests, the opinions of the world's system. That's what that means. Worldly there means, it doesn't necessarily just mean I'm thinking loose living, right? I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do, right? You know what I mean? You ever, you ever, kind of you ever heard that in church before? You know, we're good Christian people. We don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't chew. And we don't go with girls that do, right? You know, that's, that is some good advice. But again, that's not, that is carnal, 
But the whole idea of this carnal thinking isn't just sinful thoughts. It's engaging with the way the world thinks about life. How the world thinks about different things. How the world thinks about money. How the world thinks about marriage. How the world thinks about work. I mean, how many of you, you were like me a little bit, you grew up and work was a four-letter word, right? I know it is a four-letter word, but it was like, it was never said, it was a bad four-letter word, right? Oh, got to go to work, right? Got to, and, and that's a worldly thinking. Do you see what I'm saying? The Bible teaches an area of work, work is to be enjoyed all day, every day, until you die. Yep. Yep. All of it. Hey, I'm gonna, do you understand? I'm gonna, the scripture teaches us. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but I'll just go ahead and say it anyway. You understand, we are never to retire. Yeah, well, well, if you can, <laughs> I'd say you may need to shift. We, we, we are not to quit working. The, the, the thought of, well, I'm going to hit an X age, and when I hit that age, I'm finally going to stop producing good for people is a worldly thought. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I, I want to say that to say that when we talk about this subject, yes, sure, uh, sinful thoughts we shouldn't think, but I don't want to keep it locked in just sinful thinking. It's worldly thinking. How does the world think? And if the world thinks that way, I shouldn't. Thank you for that thunderous amen. We're, we're, again, we're from another place. I, remember, I don't know if I told you all this story. I think I have, but it'll bear repeating. You know, when we were pastoring in Canada, I, I heard somebody say on like a podcast that, you know, 50-something percent of evangelical pastors in North America do not have a biblical way of thinking. They don't have a biblical worldview. And I was like, well, wow, I wonder how, and they talked about this test you could take, and, all this, and I'm like going, okay, well, I went and found the test, I took the test, I made an 85. So, so and once I, well, hey, praise God, it's better than 50, isn't it? I mean, it's, I mean, I made plenty of 50s in algebra class, and that's 85 is better than 50. But, but, the, but the first thought that came to me is, is, but where's the missing 15%? Because I didn't know it was missing. The, the answers I got wrong, I thought they were right. <laughs> right? And found out, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe I can still, that's what, because listen to me, this is something we will work on our whole lives while we're still here. Does that make sense? Because, so, again, the Lord is gracious and he is kind and he is loving. And so normally what he will do for us is, is he will highlight an area. Yes. Yes. And he'll say, okay, let's start thinking like the kingdom here. Yes. And he probably won't deviate. Right? Because <laughs> right? he knows I can't handle it. Right? He knows I don't squirrel very well. You know what I mean? I don't. Yep. Y'all understand that nobody multitasks. Y'all know that? Do you know that multitasking is a myth? It, it is. Nobody, no human, they now know scientifically, no human can multitask. You just do multiple things at a lower level. That's just what you do. 
You, you don't do anything. So listen, if that's how we are wired in our soul, then God is going to transform us that way. So I say this to say, let him guide you. And, but when he highlights something, when he begins to say, okay, let's think biblically about marriage. Right? Hey, let's think biblically about how we raise our children. Hey, let's think biblically about money. Hey, let's think biblically about work. Hey, let's think biblically about how I'm a friend with people and what friendship really is. Hey, let's think biblically about what we call church. Hey, let's think biblically. Let him lead you and know that that is the relationship you have with God and that it will be ongoing. Does that make sense? Yes. Y'all all right? Yes. Yes. It's, it's kind of, when we were in Canada, there was another fellow, I got to be careful because he swore. So I'm not, I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to swear. Anybody out there? Okay. I've, already run, I've already apparently run people off for swearing, and I apologize for that. So I'm trying to do better. Amen. And so, um, oh, I'm taking this before I swear. Okay, good. I'm glad there's no soap in there. Good. And so, y'all all right this morning? And so. But we were in Canada, and there was a brother in the church, and I loved him. He, he, he came in, got saved in the church, had never grown up in church, and I looked to him. His name was Bruce, and Bruce was my litmus test, right? Bruce, I watched Bruce, right? Because if, if when Bruce got it, I knew we all got it. Does that make sense? I knew we were making progress, right? When, and it's not because Bruce was brilliant. I mean, he was not because he was unintelligent. He just didn't know the kingdom at all right now he was a little socially awkward so that was a i'll never forget we were in church one day and i'm preaching away i'm sure it was an awesome message right it was an awesome, I, mean, it was a, I don't even remember but i'm preaching away and next thing you know bruce always sat on the front row off to the left kind of like where paul is preaching away and bruce's phone rings bruce answers <laughs> hello no, I can't talk right now. I'm in church. Here, listen. <laughs> so that just kind of paid, that was Bruce. It was just it was awesome. But I remember we, we had a men's group and we did like a men's Bible study. We spent a whole year talking about the importance of the Word of God and why the Word of God. And we just spent a whole how to study it, all this stuff. Went deep dive into the Bible. And Bruce was there, and that whole year goes by. Next year starts, and my father-in-law at the time was leading the Bible study, and he says, so now, guys, we're going to talk about prayer. And literally, Bruce takes his Bible, throws it on the ground, and goes, darn it, you mean I got to pray too? <laughs> I was just getting my head wrapping around reading the Bible. Now I got to pray. Listen. There will always be progression in our lives. So don't ever be frustrated if God puts you on a journey for about a year and you're thinking about something and he's just working with you and he's working with you and he's working with you. And then sometime a year, two years later, he changes the subject. That's not you failing. That's you growing. Every time God changes the subject, he is not highlighting failure. He is highlighting your success. He says, now you're ready for this. And, you, and, and, and we have to trust that as he is leading us, because he knows us so well, 
he is building upon things. And he understands, oh, I got to get them this first. Whatever that foundation, it might be different for everybody, Nick. Might be, does that make sense? You know, again, I'll come back to another. This is okay. This is kind of like story hour with Pastor Brad. Is this all right this morning? And so we were at Rama uh, before Selena and I were married. We had met each other, and I think you had finally kind of given me a chance. Maybe. Maybe. Because remember, it was our first argument that we knew kind of couple-ish. Do you remember this? Well, see, God knew for me, because of where I came from, that I needed to understand righteousness. So when I showed up at Rama, it was the first thing out the gate that they gave me. And, and Brother Doug Jones laid a great foundation of righteousness, and he put stuff in me, and he built. And then as that kept building, then the next, it was holiness and the fact that you are holy. And I remember when I had that, and I run to my new girlfriend or whatever, did you know that we're just as holy as Jesus? And she looked at me dead in the face and said, No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> Now, I don't know what journey, you had to take that class yet, right? Now, praise God, she caught up later. But I say that to say, hey, listen, God is going to lead each. So listen, there is no cookie cutter. God is going to lead you, and he's going to build the foundation of kingdom thinking in you as is going to be best for you. So that's why it's real hard to lay out a set program. If you just go A, B, C, then all this stuff, and typically in church life, that's kind of where we fail, is because we try to build it all in this one cookie cutter, everybody's got to do, yeah, 101, and you got to do 201, and you got to do 301, and then you got to, no, no, no. You need to let God show you where to begin, or to show you what's next. Does that make sense? But it is hinged on, will you set your mind to it? So again, it's like Kurt here works in HVAC and we have them here. We have thermostats in the building. What do you do with the thermostat? You adjust it, but what we call it what? Set you it. set it. Right? How many of you have some wonderful marital arguments over the thermostat and that little number? Yeah. That's the, right here. Selena and I had to overcome because her preferred number is like 80. Yeah. <laughs> her preferred number is 80. My preferred number is 68-ish or south, right? You know, so off to the ratios we would go, right? I mean, you know, jokingly, you know, marriage is living the rest of your life constantly in either a room that is too hot or too cold. Right, that's just one definition for marriage. And so, um, but it, like that thermostat, you set, you have to determine, I will think biblically. I will set my thinking on the kingdom and the way that the Bible teaches. And I'm going to keep using the word biblical. It can be supplemented for kingdom. They're synonymous but I think we more understand biblical, right? Yeah. My thinking has its source here, right? And, and I would love for us as a church family to develop 
amongst ourselves a relational culture of when someone talks about things with us that they should ask, like in y'all talking to me, you should ask, well, Brad, where'd you get that in the Bible? You said you think this way. You said you think whatever. Can you take me to the verses that inspired that thinking? Why? Because I would like to think biblically too. Does that make sense? Now, this is not being the Bible police. For those who, again, who of you came out of the Bible police camp? Come on now, I did. Amen. Where they, 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 they were more like, you know, bad cops watching you, right? You know, you're going to get them. You're going to get your violation. But Barney Fife from the Spirit, citizens arrest, citizens arrest. Right, you know, and they're, they're going to get you, right? No, no, no. But we do want to encourage each other. And listen, because... I should, dare I say, I must be able to take all of my habitual thoughts back to here. I must be able to in some way show, hey, listen, this is where this thought came from. Amen. And guys, and, and, and to just do this, because of this, and you have to then believe that the Bible is sufficient for all of life, for all of time. That the Bible speaks to every area, every person, every culture, everything to do with life. Throughout all human history, the Bible addresses it. The, it, will ne it this is never out of date. This is never antiquated. This is never old news. Does that make sense? It, it has all of it. Yes? <laughs> gotcha. Well, well, like this. Okay, so, so great, great analogy. So for our young people with texting, right? Remember, texting is just another form of verbal communication. It's written. So the Bible speaks a lot about how to communicate. It says things like, swear to your own hurt and change not. It says things like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It says things like, tell the truth in love. Right? It tells us how to communicate with people. Season your speech with grace for the hearer. That's a big thing right there. Did y'all understand that... Uh, I don't speak to you in a way that I like. If I love you, I learn you and I speak to you in a way that you understand. That's actually loving people. Because that whole idea, do you understand? So again, can I say, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. Anybody ever heard that? And I want to just say, hey, listen, you don't got enough to share. Right, you just need to hang on to every piece you got, right? Because you all together make a good half wit, right? You, you know, so hang on to it, right? Listen to me, because listen, because, um, everybody okay? What's the matter? Oh, have a marker. No, you're good. You're good. I'll, it never. This is. This is again. This is family, right? They're never going to interrupt us, all right? 
never gonna, I'm never, if I ever get mad at that kind of stuff, I'm not thinking biblically. Straight up, straight out. But again, does that mean, so that whole I'm going to give you a piece of a mind is a non-biblical thought. Because what, I need to tell you what you need to hear from truth, not what you need to hear from me. Right? And again, like, does that help you, Savannah? Now, here's another great principle for our texting generation. And this is not necessarily biblical. This is just Brad's opinion. Remember, text is a great way to pass along information. It's a horrible way to have communication. And so, so the Bible talks a lot about go to your neighbor and talk to them face to face. So what the Bible would say is text us not that which should be communicated faces to faces right you know and you don't have to text right yeah you don't have this but my big thing is some things are you, there comes a point where i'm like mm, i gotta now talk to you it's a great faith and yeah this does that make sense and again on, on communication and not to get too distracted with this but it's good because remember like 80% or more of what we say to each other is not verbal. It's body language, right? It's facial expression, right? It's, it's feeling because you're there, right? And, and if, if all you're doing is this, there is 80% of communication is lost. So there's many times, again, but the Bible, if you read through the, I'd encourage all of our young people, if you've never done it, this is a great place to start for young people. The book of Proverbs, in God's wonderful, sovereign wisdom, has 31 chapters. Surprise, surprise, so do most of the months have days. So just grab the day's date and read that chapter in Proverbs. And for things, and for things like communication, you can go to Proverbs and go, okay, this month I'm going to read Proverb a day and ask myself, what does it say about communication? And I'm going to, again, this will segue back into it, I'm going to then set my mind. You know why most people never give an, get an answer from the Bible? Is they've never set their mind on what they're looking for. They're just trying to slog through a day's reading. Let me get through my chapters. Got to get my... Because I can check the box. And, and did my one, two, th no, you need to, every time you approach the Bible, there should be a setting of your mind. Why am I coming to talk to God through his word? What is, what is the conversation we're having right now? Does that make sense? And that's, and I, it could be communication. It, it could be relationships. It could be whatever. It could be habits. It could be. Does that make sense? So the Bible is both spiritual in the sense that its primary subject is the person of Jesus. But the Bible is also practical in that that relationship with Jesus, he's constantly trying to show us how do you live this as a lifestyle. Does, does that make sense? 
In fact, I mean, I'm reading now again through the Gospels with that mindset. What was Jesus' lifestyle? I'm not, I'm not trying to look at his teach. I'm not trying to look at what he taught or his doctrine. Or the, I'm literally, I've set my mind for a season that I'm working chapter by chapter through all the Gospels in my own personal time. And I'm saying, how did you live? What, was, what were your habits, Jesus? What was your lifestyle? Right? Does, does, that, does that help everybody this morning? So, we set our minds. Right? Paul said to the Colossians, he said, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, again, that can be tricky because he's not saying be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. He's actually, what he's saying there is, is, is set your mind on how the kingdom functions. A great study, if you've never done it, is to look at all the little stories that Jesus said when he said things like this, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like. And there's a whole collection of stories in the Gospels where Jesus literally is telling you, hey, listen, this is how the kingdom works. This is how the kingdom operates. Think this way. Does that make sense? So we set our minds. Now, 2 Corinthians. Help me, Holy Spirit. Is this, is this helpful at all? If it's not, let's let me know and I'll try to talk about something else. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, thank you. Just for all my speakers, try to limit your coffee intake before you speak because it dehydrates your throat. Singers too. It is just there's your free tip of public speech wisdom, right, is limit your caffeine intake before you speak and you will not have so much problem in your throat. That's free. There's no extra charge. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just so second group, probably very familiar passage to most of us. It says this in verse 4, 10-4 of 2 Corinthians, <clears throat> 10 4, good buddy. Um, <clears throat> it says, um, yeah, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So let's stop there at that verse real quick. So, did you know that you are in a warfare? Yes. Everybody should shake their head and say yes. yes. Okay, yes. If you didn't know that, just shake your head anyway. And go, oh, wow, I didn't know I was at war. You are at war. Every day of your life, you are at war. Right? There is warfare going on. But that warfare is not carnal. It means it's not fleshy. So, again, say this with me. Say, people are not my problem. That's what he's saying. He says, hey, listen, the things you're fighting, it ain't in flesh. It ain't in it ain't in your mother-in-law. <laughs> right? It ain't in, it, it's not in anywhere. It's in the stronghold of your soul. So truly, as Joyce Meyer said in her book, the battlefield is in your mind. I want to say it like this for our time. The battlefield is in your soul. The warfare you are waging is in your soul. 
And what happens is, is in life, we have built strongholds in our mind. And depending on who we built that stronghold for depends on which kingdom rides out of the stronghold and wages war in life for you. Can I say that one more time? Because I ain't never said that ever before. So, understand. so again, depending on who I built that stronghold for, remember there's only two families in the earth. There's the kingdom of God, there's our Father, and there's the kingdom of the devil, our enemy. There are only two groups of people on planet Earth. That's it. There are not multiple races. There are not multiple genders. There are not multiple problems. There are people who either believe and follow or people who do not believe and choose not to follow. That is it. There is a king over each kingdom. Our father is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Right? He is the king over the kingdom of light. Our enemy is named Satan, the devil, that great serpent, the old dragon, right, whatever you want to say, and he is the king over the kingdom of darkness. He's called the prince of the power of the air, right? But each kingdom can only find expression through a human soul. You are the portal. We've said it many times. I'll say it again because there's some new faces. Remember, you are the only created being that God made from both planes of existence. Again, we back up a little bit for that. Remember, there's only two planes of existence in the earth. There are not multiple dimensions. This is not Star Trek. This is not the Marvel Universe where there's the Spider-Verse and there's 17,000 multiple universe. No, there are two planes of existence. There is the spiritual plane and the physical plane. And you were made from part of both. God fashioned you from the dirt of the physical plane. And then he breathed into you from his mouth the breath of life from the spiritual plane. And in that one creative act, he made mankind the doorway between the two worlds. That's why God must have a person that will yield to him to express the kingdom of God. And that's why the devil must have a person that will yield to him to express the kingdom of darkness. This is, answers the proverbial question of, if God is so good, why is there evil in the world? Because there are still people who have yielded themselves to the devil and expressed the evil of his kingdom. Is that, is that clear as... Mas claro no canto un gallo, right? So, so is, does, that, does that help everybody? This is important for you to understand, right? Because what, what each kingdom is after is will you build them a stronghold in your soul? Will you build God in his kingdom strongholds in your soul so that from the strongholds of your soul... He can ride out as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He can charge forth from your soul and execute judgment in the earth. 
You need to stir yourself, guys. Listen, stir. If you're sleepy here this morning, let's turn heaters off. You need to stir yourself up. I know this is not very exciting, and I'm trying to make it as light as I can, but this will change your life. How do I know that? Because A, it's in the Bible, and B, I have been practicing it for three years. And I'm getting better. And I'm getting stronger. Would you? Uh, yes. So I was just reading this morning, and you and I did not talk. We did not talk. Psalm 18, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. There's the choice, right? Yep. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Strong That's very good. Listen, because most of the time when, we, when you hear people preach this, they only preach it from the negative, right? How many of you have ever heard this thing preached? Yes. And, and yes, Paul is talking about it from the negative. He's telling people this is how you eliminate strongholds of the devil. But listen to me, he's also saying, but this is how you build a stronghold, period. If he's telling me this is how one was built for the devil, then I can build the same way for the kingdom of God. So he's telling us your soul is filled with fortresses, strongholds that you have built. Nobody else built them. You did. You may not have known who you were building it for. You might have been a good slave at the time, and you were just slapping bricks down, not knowing I was making the castle for, a de- for the devil. But you still built it. Now, don't be, don't, everybody look at me and say, Brad's my friend. Someone come Brad's my friend. Right, Brad's my friend. It, hey, I was there too. We were all there, but if I built it, I can tear it down, and I can build something else. See, that's the freedom. I am not a victim. I am not trapped. I am not stuck. Hallelujah. And God tells us what to do. So let's keep going, because some of you are, are, again, like, well, let's get on with it. It says this, so therefore our warfare is not carnal, it's mighty unto God, pulling down strongholds. Now notice verse 5, casting down arguments, right? It says this, and every, and I'm going to say this, high thing, and we'll explain that in just a minute, right? That exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought under the obedience of Christ. So these things that Paul just defined are the building blocks of strongholds. He tells you what we build them out of. Right? Let me read a couple of different translations and see if this doesn't help you like it helped me. So that was the New King James. I'm going to read from the Passion. It says, verse 5, so we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that has raised itself up in defiance of the true knowledge of God 
and we capture, and I love this, and we capture like prisoners of war every thought and bring them into, and I love this, and insist, <laughs> I missed that, do I? And insist that they bow in obedience to Christ. Wow. Did y'all hear that? So again, when we talk about arguments, we're talking about, again, deceptive fantasies. We're not talking about necessarily you, you being argumentative. The argument you're having is your imagination about yourself is arguing with the imagination of God about who you actually are. Have you ever said this about yourself? Well, that's not me. After you read something God says is you. <laughs> Hello? When, when God, through the word or through some pastor minister, says something and God says, that's you. And you go, oh, no, it ain't. Right? It's, 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 again, this is Gideon in the Old Testament when God shows up and says, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's hiding in the corner, wetting his pants, going, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> Hello? That's, that's that word. We, if you've been, who's been there besides me? See, that you need to understand Right? That's a deceptive fantasy. Well, wait a minute. If I can have a deceptive fantasy, I can have a real one. I can have a God-inspired imagination that paints a picture of who I actually am. And I can go, I believe it. May not be where I'm at today. May not be me in this minute. But I can at least go, but God, if you give me the image, I will build that way. Come on, are you with me? Because listen, that's why there's so much, and we'll probably get to it in, in a deeper dive at some point. That's why there's so much in the Bible about your imagination. In Psalms, it says that the man of God who is upright, he loves the word of God. And in the word of God, he meditates day and night. Same Hebrew word is used in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, where David says, and they have given themselves over to a vain imagination. Same word. Two different applications. Same as here. There's a vain imagination. Anytime I imagine myself different than God said, it's vanity. It's pride. It's arrogance. I'm arguing with my maker. And I'm saying, That's, that can't be me. That can't be right. That's not who I am. I'm too weak. I'm too dumb. I'm too poor. I'm too whatever that I say to myself, I, Dr. Matt, I will no longer believe that I am average. I will not let the grades I made in school determine who I am. I was living a lie, even a lie that was trying to protect me and trying to keep me safe. But I am above average. There are, there are, there are thousands I have yet to speak to. And there are countries I have yet to go to. And I will go to them whole 
healthy and stronger than I am today. And I will stand on land that is fought for now. And I will break poverty. And I will break sickness. And I will bring righteousness. Why? Because that is who I am. Does that make sense? But you got to know who you are. See, I'm not trying to brag and I hope, but you're going to hear more of that coming out of me. I can't talk about you. And I'm sorry I've been afraid to talk about me. Because I've never wanted to paint myself ever in a way that would cause anybody to think he's special and I'm not. But I've done you a disservice and I'm so sorry. But there's greatness in you. There's bigness in you. There are things in you that you don't need to talk yourself out of anymore. You need to take the time and make the time to sit and imagine with your Father. And let your Creator tell you who you are. And you just play with it in your mind like a little child. And you write it down and you draw it out and you put it, whatever. I've got a growing list that I, mine is not, that's why I've struggled with the creative thing because mine's words. Shouldn't have done it, but I did. Right? But, but I've put, does that make sense? But there's ways, but you create and you imagine and you see. Guys, listen to me. You receive from the word of God through your imagination first. You will not see in your life what you do not see in your imagination first. It's the beginning of building a stronghold. And you have to imagine it. You have to be daring to see it in your mind. And, and again, to, I feel like I'm all over this. Okay, am I doing yes. all right? Yes. And you have to be willing to change the thought from thought only to purpose. Remember we said in Romans chapter 8, it said, those that set their mind on the things of the Spirit. That word mindful there and setting your mind and being mindful, it means literally a thought that has been transformed into a purpose. See, a thought alone is formless. We might call it a daydream. A thought by itself. But a thought that has been focused on changes into a purpose. And that's what that word is. See, because what Paul is saying here is, is he says, first you have an imagination. In that imagination, an image is being painted. And then you focus on a part of that imagination and you elevate it above all other parts. You make it a high thing. Does that make sense? We do that to the negative all the time. Oh, I can't be that way. <laughs> right? And then, we, then how do we elevate it? We start putting books under it. <laughs> well, my, well, my, well, my mama said, or my grandmama said, or somebody else said, remember I love what Pastor Dusty used to say when he was with us, we got to get over our folk teaching. Mm-hmm. The stuff our folks taught us that wasn't true. Amen. I've got to rise above my raisin. 
right? I love, I got not being dishonoring, love my parents. Grateful for a mama that drove me every day and put the word in me and did, so I'm not, but I still have to rise above her. I have to go beyond where she took me. If I really want to honor her, I'll go further. Kids, did you hear that? If you really want to honor your parents, go further. That's why they're pressing you so hard. Right? That's why they're pushing you. Because they look back on their life like I do and I said, I had more in me. And it just took me 50 years to catch up. Does that make sense? But it's a high thought. How do you know it's a high thought? It comes up all the time. We might call it, somebody look at me, say Brad's my friend. Right. We might say it's a word called worry. I say that because we can't say I can't do it. Because we do it all the time. It's just to the negative, we call it worry. What have you done? You've taken whatever you're worried about and you've exalted above everything else. Have you ever noticed when you worry about something, everything else freezes? (laughs) Why? Because you took something and you elevated it in your thought life and you put it somewhere. Right, and you put it there to the negative. Well, I, I could never lose the weight. I could never make the money. I could never get the promo. I could never do the. I could never. I could never. I could never. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Well, what about? Well, what about? Well, what about? And all you've done is you've elevated a piece of that imagination. You've elevated it to a high place. You've given it honor. You've given it attention right now listen are you ready so again proverbs chapter 4 god says let's go there real quick this is okay they're helping i'll keep praying because i ain't never said none of this ever right so so y'all keep y'all keep praying please because this this ain't full this is who i am but i didn't do it (laughs) that makes sense And I hope you see it as, well, that, Brad can do it. I can do it. Does that make sense? Proverbs chapter 4. It says in verse 20, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Now that word attention, it literally, it's this. It's give attention to, set your mind on, mark it like a thermostat, and you set it. And if my little brain trails off, how many of else's brain chases rabbits in the weeds of life? Come on now. And, and if, if, so if my, maybe I do a better hunting analogy. So if my bird dog gets off trail, I grab it. And I bring it back. And if I have to do that a bajillion times, I don't get mad at myself. I just say, come over here. I just say, come over here. I just say, come over here. Huh? Give it a treat. Yeah. Hey, when it goes there, treat it. Yeah, I mean, figure that out for yourself. I don't know. I mean, but it's, it's the habits. But listen to me. What you give your attention to 
you give your intention to. Whatever you give your attention to, the act of giving it attention creates purpose. Dr. Nick, I don't want to take from his thunder, but to explain it here, it, it's called the double slit. So if Dr. Nick shares this, y'all got to look really excited, okay? Because I didn't mean to. And so it, and, and it's called the double slit experiment. And basically what they did in the double slit experiment is they took and they cut a little slit in whatever, something. And they began to shoot particles of matter at it, right? Little, little like atoms. And when they shot it at one, it would just make like we would expect. It would just kind of, wherever they were shooting it into, you got a little collection of like bullet holes, right? But they noticed something interesting. If they did a double slit, like this, then the matter quit acting like matter and it acted like a wave. Because when you do this to water in a wave thing, what happens, and, and, and again, please, and Dr. Nick will probably do a much better job if he shares one of us, I don't know if he is, but when they would shoot it through that double split, it would make waves, right, that overlapped each other. It didn't do that. Right? When they shot the matter and it went through it, it acted like a... So it began to give the scientists this idea of, well, wait a minute, is this matter or is this a wave? Which one is it? And it's how they actually discovered that all matter is made up of light, something that operates under waves. But you want to know the real amazing thing. Now, this is the part of what I'm saying. And this is hope, is they said, well, we got to pay attention because they would shoot it at the thing and not really give it and it would make this wave thing the moment they put a camera on it the moment someone gave whatever they were shooting attention it changed to matter did you hear what the attention of the observer makes the thing the thing This table isn't a table unless I look at, oh, it's a table. Because we actually look at it, give it our attention, and call it what it is, makes it what it is. But when you just look at it, it's actually just, it's, it's controlled waveforms of light. Now listen, why am I saying that? Not to, I mean, A, I geek out on this kind of stuff. But B, listen to me. What you give your attention to, you get your intention. Very good. We said it a couple of weeks ago. Remember, James talked about that, about sin. How do we sin? We gave our attention to a temptation. A desire came, and I gave it my attention. And over continued attention to the temptation and action and intention to do evil came forth. But again, okay, that's how the negative works, but guys, you know that's how the positive that's works. Right. That's right. You give your attention to righteousness and your attention becomes your intention 
and you just find yourself doing right. What do you want? Does that make sense? You want a good marriage? Give your attention to what it looks like. Focus your attention on what he says, and your intention will come out. I finally understood what Brother Haken told us all those years, and I, I would, didn't really get it. When he would say, you know, I'm sleeping with all the women I want to sleep with. Because the only woman that has my attention sits right there. I don't have to worry. Why? Because I focused my attention on her. How do I talk to her? In a way that she understands. Not just understands, but that she feels what I'm saying. How do I show her love in a way that she understands? Right? How do I please her, not every other woman? I'm not trying to figure, guys, listen to me. I'm not trying to figure out women anymore. Nope. I just want to figure out this one. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give this one all of my attention. Same thing with your husband. Yes. Right? Focus your attention on him. What is it like to live with him? Does it make sense? Focus that with your children. Your children are all different. What in your whole, give it your, so now if we kind of put some things together, what if I took what God said is how the kingdom and the way he made the world operate, what if I let that guide my attention? What if this was giving direction to what my intention, attention will be? Does this make sense? Y'all okay? Does it making sense? This becomes the framework. This becomes the barrel of the gun that I'm shooting my attention through in every area of life. And I'm letting it guide me and it paint the picture and it direct me. Does that make sense? And I'm just gonna and that's and that and I'm gonna be single minded. I'm just gonna focus on that. Right? I'm gonna let that be. Back over here. This is all right. The high thought, the high thing. Because then, do you see this? So first I have an imagination, right? That leads to a part that I will make the high thing. He'll got, now again, none of this is done apart from God. I do this with him. I'm not trying to do this for him and him go, good boy. <laughs> I'm proud of you. It's not the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise is, Father, paint the picture. Father, what part of the picture do I need to focus on? Okay, Father, once I do that, then I'm going to let that frame my thinking. And I'm going to bring every thought like a prisoner of war, captive, and make every thought kneel to Christ. And if my thinking can't kneel or pass through what Jesus who he is, what he did, then it's a lie. Right. Yeah. And I will kill it. Right. Mm -hmm. We've got to know who he is. That's right. That's right. 
Again, th- 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 that's why the Bible is principally about him and practically about life. It's both. We know him. Does that make sense? But I bring every thought to the knowledge of Christ. This is who he is. You will yield to him or you will die. And I'm talking about your thinking. Right? Next thought, you will yield to what Jesus has done or you will die. I will kill you. Talk about your thinking, not yourself. You know, I got to make sure I'm clear here. People may be joining in the middle of a thought. He's that crazy guy. You're not killing yourself, you know. Everything about life comes to the obedience of Christ. I don't care what my circumstances look like. I don't care what my experience is. I don't care what's going on externally. I only care about how does this line up with Christ. Does that make sense? Everybody doing all right? Man, there's more. Okay, y'all give me, I got eight minutes. We done 1230. Is that all right? Because I I feel like I'm giving you a drink of water from a fire hose. Very good. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to bounce through the chapter, and then I want to share these things. I want to share nine practical things. Well, let's just do five. We'll do the other four later. We'll talk about this first. Does that make sense? Okay. So, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Paul says, so set your minds and keep them set on things that are above. Higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Keep them set. So that lets me know, hey, listen, my brain going to wander. Every day, Kurt. And that's, hey, listen, and that's not failure. Uh, guys, listen, listen to what Dr. Matt walked me through. It's going to, it's not failure. You first have to realize I am where I am today. I have to acknowledge that today, this is where I am. And I loved what Dr. Matt said in the interview. He said, and wherever I am today, my subconscious brought me here for my security. It brought me here because it was telling me, this is going to keep you safe. This is going to keep you well. This is going to keep you from what hurts you. This is going to keep you from the rejection. This is going to keep you from the abandonment. This is going to keep you from the pain of whatever. This is going to keep you from the abuse. This is going to, and, and your brain, because that's all the subconscious knows. It's one driving goal in life is keep Brad safe because he's a dummy, right? That's his one driving aim in life. We've got to keep this guy safe or we're all toast. So what happens in our life is we build beliefs that are framed up in our subconscious. And the subconscious does not know if the belief is true or if it's a lie. It just thinks, keep you safe, keep you safe, keep you safe. And again, the analogy I've, I've heard before is, is like if little, little Brad looks up and sees mom and dad fighting over money, all little Brad knows is, man, Money causes fights. If my dad was to get violent over that, all little Brad knows is, oh, wow, money brings violence. That money stuff, I don't know. And if I'm not discipled and taught, then little Brad may build a belief that says, stay away from money. So now adult Brad goes out and is trying to prosper. 
Come on. Yeah. Try to be as real as I know how. Yeah. Adult Brad goes out and he hears good old word of faith teaching, which is true. You're prosperous. God's blessed you. You're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. God wants you wealthy. And I, all, at least all of that is true. But little Brad on the inside goes, warning, warning. And pushes away that which is true. And part of the Holy Spirit's job, as Jesus said, is he's going to guide you into truth. Which means he may go back and take you back to little Brad. And go, hey, you know that's not true, right? But I have to start by going, okay, well, I got here because in some way this was keeping me safe. But now, and I love, again, I'm going to call it because Selena had this. Anybody else get through Marie Kondo like Selena? Anybody do the Marie? Y'all remember who Marie Kondo was? I don't totally agree. Watched like a couple of shows. It was a little fruity, flaky, nutty, a little granola, fruit, flake, and nut, right? But she's not a believer, but she's a little Japanese lady, and she had this whole TV show where she helped hoarders get rid of their stuff. Yes. You know, kind of her. And so her whole process was that she would kneel down with the person, and they would take their item, and she would say, now take this item, and she'd say, does that bring you joy? Right. And if the person says, no, this doesn't bring me joy, okay, well, look at the marker and thank it for its service. Yes. Thank you, marker. You were so good to me for all of those years. And now I'm going to send you away. Yeah. And literally, I go, oh, that sounds kooky as. But it's actually what you have to start by saying, okay, my belief, my belief to the point of today has brought me here. It brought me here because the way God made me in his love was he just wanted to keep me safe. But this way of living, this way of believing, no longer brings me joy. Making it from pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck. Living with some constant ailment. Living with a constant fear of rejection, abandonment, worry, anxiety. Thank you. Right, thank you, little feeling. Thank you, little belief. You were there for me in the beginning when I was whatever I was, but now you no longer bring me joy. I'm sending you away, and I'm going to receive the truth of who I actually am. Does this help? Guys, that, that's how you build a stronghold. Yes. Yes. replace it with truth you replace it with what it you replace it back and that replacing process isn't just I know what the verse says the replacing of it is I see myself in what the verse says I love what brother Andrew Womack talked about how he got into playing with this and so he literally would by himself imagine what it was like to raise somebody from the dead and he would go he said so much to the point was he literally went somewhere in his and pretended 
that he was Elijah or Elisha and the widow woman's son had died and he laid down on the bed like he was laying. And in his mind, he was just, because he was just like, he goes, well, God says I can raise the dead. And he, he spent, I forgot, he, time, months, imagining and then gets a phone call. Your son's dead. Listen to me. You ever listen to his stuff? He's here. He goes, if I'd not have been imagining for months, we'd have planned a funeral. But because I had spent time imagining, me and my wife drove all the way to the morgue five hours praising God for what was already going to happen. Because he says, because I already saw my son raised from the dead. Hello, you. And the son gave up. He has a great, he, the son makes stuff and sells it out of the place. It's, it's, but he, listen, that's what I mean by replacing it. Replacing it isn't just I'm going to memorize the verse so I know what the verse says. I'm going to take time and let God paint the picture of this verse living out of me. Till I see myself as what the word of God said. Does that make sense? So now, real quick, because I told you, and I've already one minute over. I apologize. Please forgive me for every minute beyond this point. So, and so well, I, just, I understand. I'm looking around, and, and I see the spirit of sleepy has descended upon some, right? So I know that the backside is the indication of the heart's ability to receive, right? So, but right there, we looked at these. So here, how, what do we do? How, what, what is something I can practically do? I can focus what is stimulating me, right? If you go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy, he says, till I return, give attention to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. We could say it like this. We know that you are, I am, the accumulation or the sum of the five books I have read the five people I spend the most time with, right? And I'm going to say this, and the five skills I'm endeavoring to add to my life today. Guard what stimulates you. Guard what you give your attention to. What are you reading? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? And what I mean is, is not that we aren't loving people, but I'm talking about who are you spending face-to-face -face time with? Right, and I'm going to receiving from. And listen to me. And if you want to excel in an area of your life, and you look around and go, I'm the only one. Anybody else been that besides me? You look, you look around, and you're like, Lord, I want to go somewhere, but I'm going by myself. <laughs> then, then you need to pray, God, send me people that are different in this. Can I just be real with trans? Selena and I, we want to go somewhere financially, right? I'm tired, and I will no longer live the way I've been living. I'm happy with that, but I'm going, there's more, right? But I realize this, we have prayed for years now, God, send me people. Send me people who are already there. Send me people who are ahead of me. Send me people who think different than I do. Why? Because I've got to think different. So God says, that's why I work where I work. It's the number one reason I quit my business and started this job. 
because the man who hired me is someone I want to be like. It's an answer to my prayer. That's what I'm saying. But you got to be, if I can be, be that radical. Right? I realize he doesn't need to give me any thought. So when he gave me a job, I said, I'm going to get to be in your day every day. And you're going to pay me. I'm going to get to be, I'm going I'm to ride in a truck with you. Yeah. I'm going to ask you questions. Yeah. And you're going to give me money for it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to give me a business partnership in something. Yeah. He just doesn't know it yet. Because yeah. the reason why he doesn't know it is because I ain't ready. Yeah. But I've been listening. I've been watching the way he thinks. I've been seeing how he does stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've been being able to paint him my own man. Oh, that's what I need. Yeah. That's why I'm believing God for that money. That's why I'm believing God and setting why, because one day I'm going to have it and he's going to need a partner and I'm going to be there. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me? I'm, guys, I'm trying to be as real as I know how. You want to have a different marriage, right? Don't go to your divorced four-time brother-in-law. Asking for marital advice. He don't know. You need to look up and go, oh, there's that couple. They've been married 40, 50, whatever years, and they still look like they like each other. I'll go hang out with them. Does that make sense? Amen. If you battle with emotional stuff, Mm -hmm. right, find a bold person. Mm -hmm. Somebody that scares the living bejesus out of you. (laughs) Because I don't know, man, they just, they do... They do crazy stuff, and everything they do scares the hell out of me, and I don't know, right? You might want to go, I want to be your friend. (laughs) Come on. Listen, are you with me? Guard your stimulation. Why? Because stimulation fuels your attention. As we've already said, and your attention fuels your intention right and your intention has to be a repetition meaning what mean i i imagine on it all the time i don't just imagine it once i just don't take five minutes and go yep i tried that imagination thing it didn't work no how do i know when it works easy when i see it lived out of me i keep imagining it and imagining I got people that love me enough, and I go, hey, listen, I'm <clears throat> working on this part of me. I just pick on her. I'm seeing myself differently physically. I'm experimenting with me. Chiseled? I'm going from chubby to chiseled, <laughs> right, to quote courage, right? I'm going from chubby to chiseled. I turn my keg into a six-pack, you know what I'm right. saying? Right. So, but I'm working, and I go, hey, how am I doing? To a trusted person that I, I've shared this imagination with, how am I doing? And someday she goes, you sucketh greatly. <laughs> right? And the other day she goes, hey, it's getting better. Hey, I've noticed. But I bring it to, hey, I'm trying. I'm working on me. I'm working on my imagination. How do you see? Why? Because I, I don't want it to stay in my head. I, I don't want it to just be, it's got to get from, from, from this down into here. 
Why? Because when these nerves are rewired, I become something different. It becomes automatic. I've told you before, then they can take my heart out of me and put it into somebody else and I get reproduced. Remember me telling you those stories? That literally that's what they found with so many heart transplants, people who have wired the nerves that are on their heart so much, their belief system that is really down deep. They take the physical heart out of somebody and stick it. One of the ones is a guy that he got a heart and he's like a book guy, right? And all he does is sit behind the desk and do booky stuff. Has this heart transplant. Next thing you know, he gets up a few months later, he starts running triathlons. Next thing you know, his family finds him base jumping, jumping off the top of hot air balloons. And they go, and they call, um, you want to tell us about the dude that, that we got the heart from? And they said, oh, yeah, he was a stuntman. And they started sending him pictures of the heart donor jumping off of hot air balloons, jumping off of cliffs, running Ironman competitions. His heart, you guys listen. I'm talking to someone who changed what they thought about themselves so deep that if you took a piece out of them and put it into somebody else, you would find them again. This is not hocus-pocus, make-believe. This is the stuff we've never talked about. This is actually how you change your life. You guard your stimulation because it fuels your intention because that fuels your intention. You meditate on it and meditate on it and meditate on it and daydream about it and play it over and over again in your mind to yourself until you start, people start saying, it's coming out. I'm seeing it. It's starting to appear. Then you can act. Then you can act on it. And what we've done in the church world is try to drive everybody here and we've never helped them through the other part. And all we've done is frustrate the heck out of people. Because they say things like this, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not working. This tithing thing isn't working. Well, that's because here you don't believe you're a generous giver. I don't know how to say it any plainer. But there's a, there's a process. And next time I'm with you, this whole process leads you to what I just discovered last week, into a process of creation. How you take it and you literally create things out of yourself. Just like your Heavenly Father. See, our Heavenly Father created stuff out of nothing. We can't do that. We're not God. But because we are like God, I can create out of what He created and left here for me to create with. He left us a whole big old toy box full of all kinds of stuff. Right? And he says, all right, son, let's build together. Let me now create through you. And there's a process that's all, but this all has to work. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. So just real quick in the, in the minutes that remain, and thank y'all so much for your, your attention, and truly thank you for praying and, and pulling stuff out. But take a minute. What do you want? What, what, what's the area first? What do you want to... You and Holy Ghost right now talk. What area do you want to do a high thing with first? What is it? What part of your life do you want to say, all right, I'm building a stronghold for the kingdom in this area? 
let him talk to you. I encourage you, write it down. Don't forget it. Make a commitment right now, right where you're seated. Say, all right, Lord, you show me, and I will commit to begin to walk through this process. Be judgmental about what it might be. Don't sit there and say, oh, well, that's very, quote-unquote, natural. doesn't sound very spiritual. Remember, it doesn't matter. He's taking you on a journey. Right? What part? So, Father, Lord, just thank you that you're talking with us, and you're showing us, and you're teaching us. And, Lord, we commit. Lord, we'll start help us in this journey. Lord, I pray just as Paul prayed to the Ephesian church, Lord, that you open up the eyes of our imagination. You open up our ability of thinking and Thank you for listening to our Life of Faith North podcast. If you would like to partner with us by giving, please visit our Cash App page. This can be found at cash.app forward slash dollar sign lof north we hope this message was encouraging to you today thanks again for listening and have a blessed day